Welcome to a special episode of EPMI Cast. I'm Alex Cadet, Marketing Manager at EPMI. Today is our eighth episode, and we're celebrating Oracle Cloud EPM's eighth birthday with a special guest from Oracle, Vice President Mark Seewald. Today, Nihar Parikh, our CEO, and Mark will discuss how organizations can navigate 2022 with Oracle Cloud EPM. This episode will identify emerging trends in process automation, scenario planning, and predictive analytics. So let's get started, and don't forget to follow and rate EPMICast on your streaming platforms. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of EPMICast. And uh, Mark, it's great to have you. All right. Thanks. Happy to be here with you, Nihar. So would you mind just introducing yourself and uh, giving our, our listeners a background on your role and um, what you do? Yeah. Hello, folks. Um, uh, my name is Mark Seewald. I'm in Oracle EPM product management. Um, I'm based out of San Francisco, as you can see here uh, from the background. Uh, my role here at Oracle is uh, obviously the part of the product development organization, uh, and in the EPM team, my, uh, I'm responsible for our planning, budgeting, and forecasting capability. Uh, also, have some responsibility for our investments around emerging technology in the context of EPM, uh, and I've been working here now at Oracle for uh, um, uh, just over 10 years, and uh, I, I guess I've been in the space now probably uh, just over about 25 years. Uh, um, prior to Oracle, I was uh, at a small competitor of of oracles. Awesome. Well, thanks for that. And, you know, as most of uh, the folks that have listened to our previous podcast probably have figured out by now, EPM is a core part of what we do. It's 75% of our name and it's actually hundred percent of what we do. So um, you're in the right place. Um, so uh, Mike, what is EPM for folks that might not know and, and why is it important for organizations? Yeah, um, great point. So first off, obviously, EPM is an acronym, uh, so it obviously stands for something, uh, Enterprise Performance Management. Um, and just a, in, in short, it's really the, the tools that are designed to help steer the enterprise used by corporate finance generally. Um, more broadly, uh, EPM can probably be broken down into to two major categories. Uh, I, I would break EPM down into uh, financial close business processes. So that's everything around that helps you close the books on a monthly, quarterly, annual basis. Uh, all the automation, generally finance folk want to try to uh, make that very streamlined and very fast. Um, so that's the one side of the, the domain of, of EPM. And then the other part of EPM is a, a very important part is uh, planning, budgeting, and forecasting. So while the financial close domain tends to be a little bit more around what's happening with the business today or what's happened in the past with the business, the planning, budgeting, and forecasting um, looks more, obviously much more forward-looking. So where are we going tomorrow? Uh, and it touches on uh, you know all, all different styles of, of planning and budgeting that happen within corporate finance as well as outside of corporate finance. Um, I think the uh, important point is if, you, if you're not familiar with um, EPM, you know, in some fi finance organizations might be still doing some of these kind of business processes in spreadsheets today. So a lot of times EPM replaces a, an Excel spreadsheet type of based process. Yeah, I know we used to call that Excel hell in some cases when you just kind of had a, a whole podgepodge of Excel spreadsheets that kind of, you know, were, were all referencing each other and difficult to open and manage and save and you know, it seems like we've got 
some new options now with um, product sets like EPM to get off of those old Excel manual processes and have a system to kind of standardize some of those things. Um, how, how does EPM fit with all the other Oracle cloud tool sets, specifically, I guess, in the, in the SaaS application space, um, you know, with, with ERP and HCM and supply chain management? Yeah, great question. So I'll start at the at the highest level here at Oracle. Um, you know, we are a big company. Oracle is a you know Fortune 100 company. Uh, we we do a lot of things. We make databases. We provide in, uh, a cloud infrastructure. Um, EPM is a part of what we call the applications business. That's our software as a service. Um, applications uh, really focus um, on what we call both the front office and back office uh, business processes. So front office being more things like that are going to be customer facing, like your CRM tool or marketing, things of that nature. Um, EPM really fits into that back office type domain where it's uh, tools used primarily by uh, finance teams uh, and things of that nature. So Obviously, Oracle wants to be able to deliver, uh, you know, a world-class, complete experience across, you know, both front office and back office. And EPM, as I described, is that that important part of the of steering the company. So it's a really important part of delivering value to our customers. Um, but importantly, uh, anybody who knows uh, EPM, uh, Oracle EPM today, may be aware of uh, Hyperion, our kind of the legacy, the previous generation of our software, and. Very similar to Hyperion, you know, it's not all about the Oracle ERP. Yeah, I'd say a very material portion of our customers or, you know, thousands of customers are actually uh, using other ERP systems like SAP or Infor or Microsoft uh, and are also, you know, using our EPM tools. So it's, um, you know, it, it kind of almost a two-part strategy. Uh, you know, we're, a, 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 you know, a very important part of the app strategy here at uh, Oracle. Awesome. Thanks for that. I think that helps kind of set the background for the scope of what we're talking about today. And, you know, Oracle's had a great, you know, um, year end in 2021. There was a big acquisition with Cerner, um, a lot of growth across the different pillars. Um, you know, what are some of the trends um, that are happening in the marketplace? You know, things around, you know, the, our new continued, um, you know, work from home. Um, the pandemic is, you know, causing a lot of challenges in the healthcare system. You see a lot of, um, disruptions in the supply chain, especially around, you know, microprocessors and chips. Um, how, how does EPM, I guess, um, help address some of these new challenges? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, we're uh, unfortunately, I think, uh, you know, almost approaching two years here with the pandemic. Um, there's not a whole lot I'm going to be able to say new about that. But uh, yeah, I think it's undeniable. Uh, work from home pandemic uh, has definitely driven the adoption of technology. I, I think it, it proved to companies around the world, at the you know, even individuals around the world, that you know we can do things remotely that we never were able to do before, and that there's an enormous value to technology to help being more effective. Um, and, and again, you know, for many of our customers that are, you know, that are maybe global in nature or, you know, very spread out geographically in nature, you know, technology is obviously a, a wonderful thing. So um, clearly, you know, you can't talk about changes in the, in, in the economy without talking about this, this impact. Um, we have seen companies uh, definitely uh, either accelerate kind of a, a finance transformation or enterprise transformation, or even if for companies that don't want to touch transformation, at least they're trying to modernize themselves. Uh, and particularly in the last two years, we've seen a big focus on things like efficiency, you know, value protection kind of thing. So, um, uh, you know, that's been a big impact on our industry. Uh, we, our business certainly has taken off um, and it was already doing very well for, uh, you know, um, prior to that. So it's been a, 
a big influence on um, on what we, what's happening within our customer base and our software. So um, th that's great to hear. And, you know, I mean, it's not so great that it's kind of forced, um, the, the conditions forced the adoption, but it's great that we're able to adapt. Um, do you have any idea on, you know, how some of the, the ways that we've now um, changed the way we work uh, or the way we forecast or, you know, the way that, you know, we, we look at our data from a planning perspective, how, how has, you know, how does EPM really enable that? What are some of the features or tool sets that customers can use or deploy in order to, you know, maybe rapidly change the way they do some what if analysis or, you know, automate some of those manual back office tasks that, you know, like reconciliations and in the books and, you know, um, uh, some of the things that take up a lot of time and really cut into um, uh, some valuable analysis time that might be had instead. Yeah, I think, um, I guess I would connect uh, the pandemic. Uh, I would really identify the pandemic as being a forcing function, not the enabling, uh, um, you know, capability, obviously. You know, the, the pandemic forced people to look at things in new ways because you had no choice, really. But I, I'd say what's really uh, enabling all of this change is cloud technology. Uh, you know, cloud is very different. It's the, it's the next generation. I kind of alluded to Hyperion being a kind of a, an older generation of on-premise software. Cloud changes the game. Um, you know, if, if uh, those of you, anyone not involved in cloud, it does change, uh, you know, the uh, kind of the what you can accomplish. Things are easier to accomplish in the cloud. Things are faster to deploy, easier to maintain. Um, you can you can include more people and processes uh, through the cloud technology. Um, so it really makes it much more practical to to uh, you know do things differently than maybe you've done uh, previous with previous generations of technology. So people are kind of trying to not just lift and shift their their old processes to this new technology, but they are really you know starting with a clean whiteboard or a clean sheet of paper and saying, hey, you know what. You know what can this technology help us do differently? How can we we be more efficient? Uh, you know how can we be more effective, more accurate with plans and forecasts? So I think that's the the big change that I'm seeing is it, it's the technology that's enabled it, even if it was the the pandemic that's uh, kind of forced it. Yeah, and I know from a practical perspective of implementing the tools, you know it's it was kind of seamless before the pandemic. We were using tools like you know video conferencing solutions like Skype and Zoom and things like that um, pretty robustly already, and it just kind of you know, made that the, the de facto standard. And now here we are meeting over a Zoom call rather than an in-person partner event that you guys would host. Um, so I think that, you know, you're right. I've seen it happen in my own life and uh, it's pretty undeniable. Absolutely. Uh, yep. Exciting times right now. <laughs> Things are changing fast. Yeah. So um, give us some insight on, um, you know, what, what's planned next for Oracle EPM Cloud? What are some new features that we can look forward to or what are some of the latest innovations that you're proud of? Yeah, I think, you know, um, you know, I'd say, I mean, there's certainly many things I can talk about, but, uh, you know, one of the things that I think are probably most exciting uh, about uh, what's happening to finance today, particularly, uh, you know, in the area of uh, FP&A, but across all of, uh, of finance, I think um, emerging tech is a huge, huge influence, obviously. Um, I think that the way finance does things today will be very different than even you know three or four years from now. So uh, a big area that, um, it, you know, obviously our customers are looking for this, uh, you know, we're investing in, in emerging technology. So a big area of investment for us is, uh, is this emerging tech area. Uh, area. Um, you know, in that kind of that can take many forms. You know, we look at emerging tech as uh, generally things like artificial intelligence, generally things like data science, 
but you can take a look at more specific things like process automation to help things more automated, uh, or you can take a look at machine learning to maybe help improve predictions or help uh, help you do things faster uh, and augment human decision making. So uh, you know those are some of the big areas that uh, that we're investing in, and I think that's clearly one of the biggest trends that we're seeing in finance and how finance will change here in the future. Yeah. I know the cloud was released um, almost eight years ago, and this is actually our eighth podcast episode. So um, I think we're we're also um, approaching the exact day on Valentine's Day of 2014, when we all kind of fell in love with the cloud. Um, since then, we've had a lot of customers migrate towards um, PBCS and enterprise PBCS and the whole um, FCCS and account Rex platforms. Um, and and what we've seen is that you know there's a maturity that happens. And uh, customers, you know, they they if they're doing something in Hyperion today and they really like it, they want to kind of, like you said earlier, lift and shift what they've already got. Um, if they want to kind of enable something new, it would be um, it would be more of a hey, let's look at the cloud leading practices and see why we can't maybe adopt those first, and then customize or configure after that, um, so that we can kind of leverage some of these existing best practices. Um, we've seen a particular interest around predictive analytics. And some of the embedded technology that has like statistical modeling capabilities or regression analysis and the Monte Carlo simulation, um, you know, have you seen that with customers across the spectrum? Because I know that, you know, before it was maybe a separate product and, you know, not um, enabled for most customers uh, because maybe they didn't know about, or maybe it was just, you know, cost prohibitive or whatever it might've been. But now that it's included in the tool, have you seen more adoption of that? Yeah, it's like I'll, I'll kind of address the first point you made there too. You know, I, I think there you make a great point. I think there's a lot of different paths to uh, to, to the cloud, a lot of different paths um, of, of kind of improving your business processes. To, to your point, a lot of people maybe just want to lift and shift to the cloud, or maybe they want to lift, shift, then modernize, or maybe they want to you know truly just try to modernize right from the start. And, um, so it's a good yeah. You make a great point around that. I just wanted to, to echo that. Uh, but when it comes to uh, things like predictive technology, our predictive planning capability, yeah, um, we're seeing great adoption of predictive planning. Actually, um, I'm sure I'm going to get the exact number uh, a little wrong here, but we do an annual survey of our uh, customer base and uh, some customers and non-customers as well. Uh, we do that internally here to kind of get a good sense of you know how our customers' needs are changing and evolving. Uh, so it's a great tool for us. Uh, but anyhow, the last survey we've done in the last year was really interesting, and what we saw across the customer base was uh, usually the 37 or 38 percent uptick in the use of predictive planning, uh, and it's it's fascinating. And why I personally found that fascinating is is that uh, you know you, you you think about what we just came through in the last you know two years, and we've come through this really strange you know time in this kind of black swan event here, and uh, um, you wouldn't think that that's something maybe where people would want to start to use predictive planning because everything's so different than it was two or three years ago. But uh, we've seen, a, you know, a, a, you know, the numbers don't lie. You know, we've seen the uptick in our customer base, and uh, and I think it speaks to the fact that customer, you know, finance are looking for ways to improve their processes, to improve accuracy, to better identify challenges around things like forecasting and, and ferreting out things like bias in your upside bias, downside bias in your in your forecasts. So uh, they want to improve the speed of accuracy uh, of, of forecasting, not just accuracy as well. So um, we've definitely seen a huge uptick in that. Uh, I was surprised to see those numbers myself. I uh, can't, and we're about ready to release some new numbers here in the next couple of months. So I'm uh, excited to see where we are with the new numbers as well. Yeah, that's good to hear that it really is across the board because you know we only see such a small subset of of your total customer base. 
um, you know, the, removing that human element from the planning process is something that, you know, I've always thought about when, as we deploy these applications, um, we're typically solving for, you know, an existing business requirement. Um, and we kind of get to that point, but there's so little focus on the actual forecasting and planning methodology that um, it's nice to have an additional, you know, unbiased scenario to compare against. Yeah, exactly. I, I and that, and you, again, you make a, a really good point. I think, you know, predictive technologies can ob, aug, augment planning and forecasting um, in, in a couple of ways. I mean, you can use it to replace a forecast. Just trust the algorithms, trust the data science. Uh, but you know, just as equally, and in my in my opinion, you know, uh, more valuable is use it to to validate some of your your forecasting and planning. So maybe you're not quite at a stage where you want to uh, uh, trust a, a, a machine based uh, an algorithm yet. Um, but you can absolutely use it to to kind of validate what's been submitted. So it it really changes the way companies can do um, you know things like variance reporting. So instead of doing backwards style variance reporting where you're looking at hey actuals versus history or actuals versus forecast or forecast versus budget, which is all backwards looking, you can start to look like hey well what's my forwards looking variance? What's my variance between my my manually generated forecast versus a machine based forecast? And it allows you to change that whole dialogue with your, uh, you know, with the people who are submitting forecasts to you to say, hey, you know, you know, why are your numbers 50 percent lower or 50 percent higher than what the, the, the statistical forecast says? You know, the human forecaster very may, may still be uh, more accurate. They might have knowledge that the algorithms don't have, but uh, it allows you to have that much more objective discussion. Uh, you know, and take some of the emotion out of it saying, hey, you know, this, you know the numbers are saying this, you know, just help me understand why it's different. So, yeah, I, again, I think it uh, process change it has to accompany a little bit of the uh, the technology change as well. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, you know, that's kind of where, you know, you mentioned this emerging technology concept earlier, where I, I feel like these some of these trends are actually coming to life now. You know, we see all these LinkedIn buzzwords like artificial intelligence and machine learning and you know, um, it seems like that there's, there's, there's a practical way to achieve some of those things with the tools we already have. Um, what, what are some other um, innovations that you, um, I, I read an article recently about bringing your own machine learning models. Can you describe what that is and how that fits in with EPM? Yeah, yeah. So we've we've been working in some of this uh, that we call our kind of an, you know emerging tech investments. You know, a significant portion of our, our our budget for investment in our product, you know, is dedicated to that area. And just actually back in November uh, of this past year, so just a couple months ago, we um, we released two big features: this uh, bring your own machine learning is feature, as well as IPM insights. So I'll talk about the the uh, the machine learning uh, capability first. Um, you know, I think it's a. It, first off, it's a. It's a first step towards what we're really trying to accomplish by by bringing machine learning to finance processes. Um, so you'll see a, a number of releases around machine learning here over the coming uh, coming years. The um, uh, but this is the first step, and it allows customers to take a an existing machine learning model that may have been developed completely external from EPM but yet import it into EPM so it can be used by finance folks. So what does that mean? That doesn't, that may be seem like a little bit of mysterious here the way I've described it. So, but if you step back and you think about machine learning, you're using machine learning to try to solve a problem. Maybe you want to improve the accuracy or maybe you want to better understand you know, things going on in your data. You know, typically machine learning, any machine learning models are going to be developed by a data scientist. So somebody who's very technical, somebody who's, uh, you know, really fully understands this kind of data science. But 
any insights uh, that are found in that really are almost worthless until you put them into the hands of business people who can use them to, uh, to make business decisions. So if you find, for example, and you've got a machine learning model that helps you better predict revenue, you know, it's really only powerful once it gets into the hands of that, uh, that business owner or forecaster who's, who's making a for plan or forecast for a number of product lines and saying, okay, well, now that I understand what's really driving our forecast, how am I going to reallocate my budget? You know, am I, maybe I need to uh, invest a little more money in certain product lines because they're going to likely to grow faster. Or maybe I need to, you know, you know uh, split it more evenly. You know, what happens when I do that? What's the full financial impact when I do that? And that's really what uh, Bring Your Own ML allows you to do. Uh, it allows you to take the, the power of data science, but yet put it into the hands of somebody who needs to do this what-if analysis on the, uh, on the data. Um, it does require, you know, it's not, I, I would say this feature is not necessarily for every one of our customers, but for those customers who may have already started dabbling for, uh, in machine learning, you know, this is a, a pretty exciting feature. Uh, we've really made it very turnkey to allow you to import these machine learning models into the EPM cloud and then refresh them as needed uh, and really just put it out into the hands of, uh, of the business users so they can take advantage of it. Wow, it's really exciting stuff. Yeah, so that was that's one. I, I, yeah, I'll mention one other here too, sure. actually, if you don't mind. Um, so again, as I mentioned, we've been working on these things for a long time. So now that we get an opportunity to talk about it, we're excited. Uh, some of these things we don't, we haven't been talking about too much here. Uh, we like to keep a little bit of it uh, incognito and kind of surprise the marketplace a little bit. But at any rate, the other feature that was uh, released back in November was uh, what we call IPM Insights. And Insights, I think, again, uh, is something that really has an opportunity to uh, change finance process. Um, it, it, fundamentally, the easiest way to think about what Insights is, is it's a pattern recognition and engine, per, you know, purpose built for finance users. So, so what do I mean by that? Uh, you, know, fi you know, finance users, if you think about what we do in finance, you're a financial analyst or an analyst even outside of finance, you know, every month or every week or, you know, whatever, however frequently you get new actuals coming into, uh, you know, coming off your, your, your operational and financial systems, Human eyes need to go out and look at that data and find the insights manually. So, you know, that we've been doing this obviously for as long as software has been around, but you go and you look uh, at your charts or your graphs or you use Smart View and you, you slice and dice the numbers and you try to look for patterns like variances or patterns like trends or patterns like correlation. So that's great, but it usually takes a human hours to do that. And then multiply that times, you know, the hundreds, you know, in some organizations, hundreds of people that might be across the enterprise that might be doing that. That's a lot of time spent on and data analysis. And I guess what we really asked ourselves years ago when we started developing this is, you know, why? Why can't we automate some of that for you? And why can't we help the human do that analysis faster? You know, sure, a human can find those, those variances and trends, uh, but an algorithm can find it in seconds instead of hours. So yeah, so what, that's really the objective here. Um, also, the other thing I think that's important is that uh, you know human eyes are pretty good at finding things like variances and trends, but humans' eye, eyes aren't well suited to find things like correlations, uh, inverse relationships, things like that. So again, uh, we think it improves not just the speed of data analysis, but it actually speed uh, improves the quality of data analysis as well. So it's uh, I think it has an opportunity when you when you look at entire business processes like the financial close or the planning, budgeting, and forecasting or management reporting, 
you know, a significant amount of that time spent in those business processes is spent on data analysis. And this, this capability really has an opportunity to, to dramatically shrink the amount of time spent and improve the quality. So we're excited about it. It's a bit of a game changer uh, the way we view it. Um, we're excited and working already with um, and seeing some customers having success with it. Okay. Incredible. Yeah. No, that sounds really exciting. I'm excited to see it actually. Um, is there, um, is there, are there any use cases that you guys have that we can talk about or are they still all kind of in development? No, this, uh, these are released. So actually there's um, three, we call them insight types. Uh, the, in, the three insight types we've built uh, with the first release here are really kind of probably a little more tailored towards FP&A, but we're in the process of building more uh, insight types. Um, first insight type is a backwards looking insight type. So it looks at your historical actuals and your historical forecast. And number one, it finds the variances for you. So you don't have to find it. And, and you can tune it so it only finds things that are material. And you can tune it by materiality by different parts of your business. So you know it's only looking for the material variances. But more importantly, it also calculates bias. Um, and that's the huge value of it is, is that uh, it'll look at your historical forecast and historical actuals together and say, you know what? Not only is there a variance here, but there's been a, a, a trend of, uh, you know, variance problems here. And we can actually calculate the exact percentage ver- uh, bias that are in these numbers. So, again, I think that's uh, an enormous value there. That's insight type number one. Insight type number two is a bit more of a forward-looking insight. So that's uh, – and it kind of ties back to the discussion we just had around predictions. It, it actually uh, compares your manual forecast with a, a machine-based prediction and, again, finds material variances for you. Uh, and these, by the way, all these insight variances and, and, and patterns are actually displayed on a really nice, easy to sort type uh, new dashboard that we've rolled out. It's uh, you know quite easy to use, but that is uh, again can be tuned by materiality. So for you know, maybe between machine prediction and uh, manual forecast, maybe your materiality is probably a little bit bigger than it is for historical variances. So you can t- tune those separately. And then the third insight type is uh, what we call an anomaly insight type. And uh, anomaly, you know, I, I think as soon as you hear anomaly, you might think, well, pretty much anybody can look at a chart or a report and see a big spike in numbers up or down. But the fact is, depending on the nature of your data, anomaly can be very hard to spot with the human eye, particularly in parts of the business where there might be a lot of volume, um, so maybe or a lot of seasonality. You really need to take a look at things like seasonality and trend and back that out before you can actually um, understand what a true anomaly is. So that's, uh, that's what this insight type does is that it applies data science um, to the, the trend of your data to tell you whether it's truly an anomaly or it's just kind of a seasonal spike. Okay. Yeah, I know that makes sense. Um, we, we actually have seen a lot of customers thinking about, um, you know, beyond just the traditional forecast and you know, even beyond um, uh, the traditional planning process, but also looking at things that are more so identifying true cost of ownership and true cost of deployment, um, leveraging the profitability and cost management application. Have you seen, um, how have you seen the adoption of that tool within, you know, I know you mentioned, you know, the core three planning and or the, the core two planning and, and forecasting and, the, and then the um, closed consolidation side of the house. Um, how does profitability and cost management fit in there and, what types of use cases have you seen? Yeah, great question. I, uh, profitability and cost management. It's one of, uh, you know, one of my favorite products there or one of my favorite capabilities here within EPM. Um, it really, it really meets a, a very important need within finance. Uh, and I think, um, the, obviously the need really is to focus on having a full analysis around fully loaded costs or fully loaded profitability. 
And I think um, you know what we've seen is is the the adoption of uh, PCM, what we call for short profitability and cost management, uh, is, has been driven a lot by uh, the pandemic. Actually, um, I think what we're seeing is is in the early days of the pandemic. You know, there were some very difficult decisions companies needed to make. They, you know, hey, you know, maybe uh, we need to really cut back a little bit. And what are the best, most profitable product lines or most profitable service lines? And the ability to have a fully loaded uh, view of that is crucial when you're making those kind of decisions. So in the early days of the uh, pandemic, it was enormously valuable and uh, obviously important. But now even going forward, you know, I, I think there's, you know, hopefully we're shifting towards, you know, away from some of the, uh, the, the worst parts of the pandemic and towards more of a growth mindset. And it's the same kind of thing. You, you use a tool like profitability and cost management to, to make those decisions around investment, um, uh, you know, in, you know, what are the most profitable parts of my business? What are the most profitable service lines and so forth? So it is uh, something that's really taken off. Um, so it, it, it's an interesting tool. You know, we call it profitability and cost management, but it can really help with any kind of allocation-based business process. So it can be used for things like transfer pricing when you have to allocate uh, costs out to legal entities. Uh, and you know, it can be used for shared service costing if you're trying to do maybe an IT costing or any kind of shared service costing. So it's a, it's a really helpful tool. Um, and we've got some pretty exciting changes coming to that actually right now too. Uh, so... It's a, it is an important part of our business. And yeah, lots of, lots of interesting things happening there. Awesome. Well, um, I really appreciate your time today. I think this was really insightful for me and I'm really excited about some of the innovation that you guys have planned. Um, thanks for doing what you do and, and giving us a place to, um, to go to work every day. Um, we really appreciate your time and um, uh, we will talk to you next time. All right. Well, thank you, Nihar. It's great talking to you and thanks for doing what you guys do. We love our partner community. So thank you.